We've got an uncharted death on the Nile, so I want you back to marry me. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen. We are keeping you cinematic to kick off the show today. It was Oscar nomination week. It's been a big one for us and we're going to bring you some very big movies. We've got J-Lo, we've got the Never Speak of Him Again Army Hammer movie and also <laughs> we've got we've got Tom Holland no longer in his Spidey suit today as well. So loads and loads of great stuff coming your way. We're going to kick off with that said movie, Ken Branagh's said movie of, uh, of um, Death on the Nile. We've been waiting a while for this. It's something that definitely targets the grey pound, shall we say. And uh, yeah, the trailer always really looked good. Obviously, huge problems with Army Hammer and his association with this, but they've still brought it to the big screen, haven't they, Van? They, they have. And this is kind of an easy... Like, I, I was having a conversation literally when we were waiting to watch this with Kermode, and, and this was something I didn't realise he didn't know. The reason they make these movies, plain and simple, is because the Agatha Christie novels are obviously out of copyright now. So it doesn't cost them anything. To, they don't have to. There's no kickbacks, nothing like that. So you know, all the money stays in house. It's obviously a very easy thing to keep making, trying to make a franchise out of. The first movie, Murder on the Orient Express, 2017, oh. all star cast and Ken Branagh, both starring and directing. I think Michael Green wrote that. And this was around the time he'd written uh, Blade Runner 2049 as well. And yeah. uh, now, so the last time, the last time we probably saw Daisy Ridley on screen. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Some people, some people saw Rise of Skywalker. Anyway, um, <laughs> some of us unfortunately saw it two or three times. I think I saw it three times at the end. Anyway, uh, so the idea now is that they want to take, uh, as they want, as they've proven with this, is they want to take the other Agatha Christie novels and continue them on as as literally a direct franchise. So we get Death and Death on the Nile here adapted as a straight sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. Strangely enough having forgotten the way that Murder on the Orient Express specifically ended. It ended with this almost uh, this almost Batman Begins-like Joker mm. setup for The Dark Knight. Remember the end of Batman Begins? It's like, oh, there's this guy who keeps leaving a playing card at all these crime scenes. Oh, I'll look yep. into it. And then end of movie. They did something similar with Murder on the Orient Express. There's been a murder on the Nile. <laughs> Say no more. I'll be right there. Roll credits. <clears throat> you now get to this movie in which they've forgotten that they did that. Okay. Poirot's on holiday, just randomly doing other stuff, and happens to get invited along to a wedding party on the Nile with an all-star cast. You wouldn't... I mean, there's even a French and Saunders reunion in this oh one. Oh, my God. Uh, Russell Brand's in there. <laughs> Sophia Canodo's in there. Letitia Wright's in there. Every bugger turns up in this. Annette Benning's hamming it up in this. And of course, wouldn't you know it, no sooner are they on the Nile. <laughs> I say no sooner, I'll get to that. No sooner are they on the Nile than there's been a murder. But you know what? If you've got to have a murder on your uh, on your elaborate, expensive passenger cruise, why not do it whilst you have the world's greatest detective sleeping next door? Ah, the bereaved. As one at every wedding party. The good Dr. Windlesham proposed to Miss Ridgway when she was still Miss Ridgway. He and the papers both had the deal as good as done. Then came the engorged stallion, and now it's Mrs. Doyle. If I were in his shoes, I'd only come here to put a bullet in the groom. Well, our other guests, Lynette's godmother, who despises Lynette's wealth, and the godmother's nursemaid, Bowers, who covets it, as does Lynette's own maid, poor old Louise. Oh, his cousin Andrew. 
He's a slippery fish. No one except Lynette trusts him. We find Mother and I are the only sane people here. The only one who seems to like Lynette at all is her old schoolmate, Rosalie. And she's Salome Otterborn's niece and arranged for her to come to play for them. Now that's that. Is that Matthew Good? <laughs> no, 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 it's Tom Bateman. But I'm so glad you asked that because it's one of those, like, he, because he was in the last one as well. He's the sort of sidekick right. helper book. I think it's spelt book. But I, 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 I just kind of read it as, I think they say it as if they're French people saying book, but it's book. Anyway, uh, so Tom Bateman says, and it is that sort of thankless oh, this is what Matthew Good usually gets hired for. Or this is what yeah. Shane West or Jonathan Reese. You know those guys, they're good-looking guys, but they're not leading men. You know, those guys, this is that one of those roles. And he gets that one here, same as he did in the last one. But yeah, as Fair. you can hear, okay. he's there purely to be the sort of the runner, the gopher. The narrator slash, of... Yeah, exposition guy as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to confess, I, I love a good... Agatha Christie adaptation. I love a good bit of Poirot. I grew up watching the series with David Suchet. I actually didn't mind the Murder on the Orient Express. And I'm actually quite looking forward to this. I don't know if it's kind of showing my my vintage, maybe, of what... But, but this is an easy watch for me. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm not going to rush to the cinema to see it. I'll wait till it comes out, but, uh, you know, on a smaller screen. But I, I'm, I'm up for watching it. I mean, to be fair, you, you say that with a sort of a hint of shame to, to, to the way you say it. And yet you and I are both of the age where, you know, we grew when we were kids. We were kids in the era that, you know, you had those David Suchet Poirot mysteries mm. on TV when they were first run. Yeah. And they were big events. I mean, if yeah. uh, when, when they've done one in my adult years, like I think there's been one or two in my adult years where they've, they've put it back once or twice, they have still been treated as events. So, you know, um, first of all, <laughs> right, this is pad to the gills. I'm sure diehard Agatha Christie fans are going to love this. There's a lot of expansion of things. You'd imagine mm -hmm. things from the text. It does feel like this is very nice, expensive furniture with all of the usual padding, if you know what I mean. Okay. I mean, a I've significant gotcha. section of the movie could literally be reductively written away as an origin story for Poirot's mustache, if you can imagine <laughs> that. Um, there's also a lot of um, cramming in of more contemporary elements. Uh, there is, for instance, the rich old lady and her nurse figure, who are played here by French and Saunders, as I've mentioned. And I think it was mm. Maggie Smith, and I forget who else in the 1978 PC Usenov version. And there was it, there was an implied romantic sexual relationship between them, an implied LGBT relationship between them in the 70s version that's now explicitly done here. And it's, it's, it's not distracting, I think. It's done in that way that, like, West Side Story was slightly contemporarily updated recently. We've got mm -hmm. the same kind of thing here. doesn't distract from the story, but it is, uh, it, it is that is one of the more successful exercises in padding this. The problem is that the, the rest of the padding in there, like Poirot's moustache, just feels frivolous and glued on after the fact. But you know what? The oldies are going to love it. I mean, and Agatha Christie fans... Yeah, I mean, Colleen Rooney will be lapping this up. So, let's talk about Marry Me Then, which is also out this weekend. Marry Me, <laughs> I mean... I'm you've so got excited to watch this. Death on the Nile knows what it is. Marry Me also knows very much what it is. And I can't but, wait for it. Next, <laughs> 10 seconds or less, because I know you've not seen it, 10 seconds or less, what do you think the plot of Marry Me is? 
So J-Lo is some pop star who is mm -hmm. marri marrying some other pop star or famous guy. And then just as she's either getting ready to marry him, he she sees on her iPhone the reports that he's cheated on her. Um, and so while she's at this concert or at a wedding or something, she then sees someone in the audience is holding up a marry me sign and hands it because, over to... Uh, Owen Wilson and then he ends up doing it and she goes you know what I've got to do something for myself I've got to go and you know just be me and do something spontaneous and so she goes uh -huh. yeah I will marry you and then she marries Owen Wilson never having met him and then it's about them actually ending up falling in love and you've only seen the trailer listen I'm not saying this as your husband or even as your friend because technically I'm not either but if you go back to Bastion aren't you just making the same mistake all over again Again? Are you asking me to the school dance? Well, I could leave a note in your locker, but <laughs> here we are in free period, so I figured I'd take my <laughs> shot. Look, if it runs exactly like I've just described it and exactly <laughs> like the trailer is, I don't care. Like, I'm not coming away to have some sort of like existential experience around this particular movie. I just want this tapped on my screen with J-Lo <laughs> and Owen Wilson, and I will be happy. That's all you need to know. You know what? You're going to get what he says on the tin. I mean, it is <laughs> it's ghastly. It's absolutely it's ghoulishly garish. But at the same time, what do you expect? I mean, J-Lo's turning up to play a fictionalized J-Lo. They're not making any bones about that. Owen Wilson mm -hmm. turns up not even just playing a fictionalized Owen Wilson, but literally wearing that same exact outfit that Owen Wilson wears every time he plays Owen Wilson in an Owen Wilson movie. And you know exactly what you know it beat for beat. It's fine. It's not offensively bad or anything. Like, I mean, academically it's bad, but all these movies are academically bad. I will say, though, as a sort of fan of the rom-com, as a form, as a, as a genre to itself, I don't think this is one of the better ones. This is kind of like long shot. You know the Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron mm. long shot? You're like, that was fine. I, I wasn't offended by like how bad that was or anything, but I don't think it's brilliant. It's fine, though. If I needed a date movie in a hurry and I put that on, we'd mock it a little, but we'd basically tolerate and enjoy it. And that's what it is. I will say this, though. The, but first of all, John Bradley uh, from Game of Thrones, Sam from Game of Thrones, Sam Tarly, mm. best thing in this movie, same as he was right. in Moonfall. He's two for two in a fortnight. Good for you, John Bradley, and he's not playing Josh Gad this time in a role that Josh Gad quit. I will also say, Marry Me is a terrible single. I mean, good God, Jan, come on. All the singles you've put out in the last 25 years, and you get a movie that you have to come up with the title track for, and the one you come up with is as bad as Marry Me. That's even worse than the one for that lesbian holiday movie that we did last year. But anyway, over to you, Bex. Well, you know what? This sounds like an absolutely trashy version of Notting Hill. <laughs> Famous person meets every man, and I am here for it. Welcome back to Off Screen. We are keeping you up there on the big screen. We've taken you through Death on the Nile and Marry Me. And now we're going right back round to a breakup, to I Want You Back. Uh, this is a new movie from Amazon Studios. Um, it's going to be on Amazon Prime from today. Hey, yeah. And, yeah, today. And it stars... Well, it stars Charlie Day. 
um, as I think is kind of the biggest pull in this. And it follows uh, essentially two couples uh, who break up and one half of each couple decides to get together with the other half of the other couple and concoct a plan to try and get their prospective other halves back. Did you get that or was that half a synopsis? <laughs> I don't think that you can get to Jenny. You've made that perfectly clear. But I do think that you could become Noah's friend. I could do that. I mean, people like to be my friend. I'm extremely affable. You know, in college, all the girls were like, you're such a good friend. Oh, darn it. But, but, but the point is, people like to be my friend. Right. I get in his head. You, that's exactly right. You get in his head, and then you make him realize that Ginny isn't that great. She's not that great. Yeah, and that I am the one that got away. Hey, do you really think we could do this? Yes, I do. I'm in if you're in. I will seduce Logan, you will friendship seduce Noah, and we will win back our people. All right. It's on. Charlie Day there, and you can hear him talking to Jenny Slate. So those are the two that concoct this plan together. And their other halves are played by Scott Eastwood and Gina Rodriguez. And uh, you know what? This is kind of fits into that same realm as Marry Me. You know exactly what you're going to get. It's relatively trashy. It's easy to watch. What more do you want from it? Oh. No, I actually went in the opposite direction of this. I expected this to be trashier. I expected this to be more like yeah. Marry Me. Now, what this actually played like to me was at times almost like a Duplass-inspired riff on doing Strangers on a Train with a breakup, with, with two breakups in particular. Um, I, I'm a big fan of both Jenny Slate and Charlie Day, both of whom come mm. from... They're both breakout stars, really, from their own respective cable TV shows. In her case, it was... Uh, Parks and Recreation in his It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But he has had more time to shine on the big screen. Things like Horrible Bosses. Uh, what was the school fight? What was the, the, the fight one with the ice cube? I, I, I forget the, the play. I forget that one. The, the playground fight one. I, I really like that fist one. Fight. Fist fight. Fist fight. Yeah, imagine it's I really liked fist fight. I actually think that's a pretty funny movie. Um, Jenny Slate, I think, is great, and she did that movie a few years ago when she was the struggling silent comedian with the abortion. I thought it was really, really good. But they together make for a pretty good pair, and the movie mm. itself, I think, is a slightly higher brow equivalent to what would happen if you tried to effectively contemporize the 1997 Matthew Broderick, Meg Ryan rom-com, Addicted to Love. Like, this works as a very different companion piece. I think it's a higher brow film than you would expect from how it's been marketed and how it's been trailed. I think people turning it on are going to find it to be a lot more dialogue-driven and a lot less slapstick than they would oh, yeah, it's, believe otherwise. It is a lot less slapstick, but I still kind of pit it in that kind of category of films where you see horrible bosses. You see, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's that kind of thing. Like, there's nothing bad about it. I enjoyed mm. it. I watched it. I watched it happily all the way through. But it's forgettable at the same time. Can I also say, in terms of not forgettable, though, um, how likeable is Scott Eastwood in this movie in a way that I've yes. never seen him before? He comes across as really likeable in a charming... And, like, mm -hmm. Charlie Day uses the, the, the term in that clip we just played, affable way. He's a very likeable guy. Uh, weirdly, though, the same... Like, Gina Rodriguez, who plays Charlie Day's... Uh, like X slash, you know, would be love interest. Mm. Um, is it? Am, am I the only one thinking she's just, she just looks disturbingly so much younger than him that I found it quite distracting? Yeah. Like when yeah. they keep talking about, oh, he needs to get this girl back. It it doesn't Wait, play. From high school? Yeah, <laughs> I kept thinking like, is she at junior college? Like what? Yeah. From from where? 
Like, just no one think that it's odd that this guy who looks like he's in his late forties is is going out with this chick who looks like she's about twenty two. Like, what's okay? Like the Eastwood thing makes sense because they they constantly talk about the fact they're both in their early thirties, which makes mm. less sense in Charlie days. Okay, hey, but, she's just got I, better moisturizer. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Yeah. Um, but no, I quite liked it. I do. I, I quite liked it a lot. I, I do. Um, I'm always I'm always a fan of anything with Charlie Day in generally. To be honest, I think mm. he's got something of a Bobcat Goldthwait appeal about it. And Jenny Slate, outside of the the, the, the shrieking madcap for the Parks and Rec, is a great is an entertaining comedic presence. I think she has great presence. I think they play well. She's got, well she's, got um, she's got really good subtlety about her. There are mm. pauses. There are moments that she gives which feel, you know, in no way forced. Yeah. Can we also just talk about the one thing that everyone's going to be talking about when this movie comes out? The one thing that BuzzFeed lives for is going to happen when this movie comes out. It's going to be, here are the top 20 tweets about how hot Manny Jacinto is in I Want You Back this weekend. So what's his name from The Good Place? The Buddhist character from The Good Place? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Completely, God, oh, blows my mind because it's not his real name, is it? The one who's the meant to be the mute mute Buddhist monk in The Good Place, but he's actually an idiot from Florida. Played by manager Sid. He's in this. Jason he's... Mendoza? Jason Mendoza. Well, that... That's his real name. That's his real name. Jan Yu? No. No, manager Sinto is his real Manny name. Jacinto. Plays... Manager Sinto is his real name. I'm trying to remember his uh, his character's name. His, his, his yeah, I think he plays, he plays Jason... Yeah, Jason plays Mendoza. Jason is... Mendoza. When he goes to The Good Place, when he goes to The Good Place, he, they, they mistake him for someone else. And uh, Jason Mendoza okay. is his actual name. But they think, mm. I, I'm sure he's like Jean Yu. I think he's Jean Yu or something like that. Right. But anyway, he's great in it. He's great here as well because he's deliberately playing against that typing. And here he's gone for quite a, a, a hipster type. And it yeah. works really, really well. In fact, I would go so far as to say almost worth the movie. But uh, as I say, it's on Prime. Check it out this weekend. We'll remind you again when we get to the streaming listings. I don't want to take time away, though, from... What's clearly the biggest hitter of this week? So big that I didn't get to see it. Now, bear in mind, we we review we we record this on Thursday mornings. Okay, mm-hmm. this is embargoed until six a.m. on Friday, the very second that this show comes out. So, if you're listening to this fresh out today, this has only been available for review today. I got to see this Wednesday night. It is, of course. Uncharted, the latest attempt to mine a cinematic franchise out of a PlayStation game. Um, This has been in development for 15 years. Every director you can name has been attached to this at some point or other. Interestingly enough, not the cast. There's only ever seemingly been Mark Wahlberg attached to the cast of this, but every bloody director you can name has been on board with this. Mark Wahlberg incidentally got cast after David O. Russell was hired to direct it. You know when David O. before he oh did... Oh, my God. He left this to go and do Silver Linings Playbook, Thank which, as God. you will remember, changed his career entirely. So we would have had a very different David O. Russell if you know if this had gone ahead. It stars Tom Holland, our current Spider-Man incumbent, as Nate Drake, or Nathan Drake, whatever you want to call him, the Indiana Jones-like lead character of this contemporary set, archaeologist, treasure hunter thing. The whole thing basically plays like national treasure. So mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg was originally cast as Nate Drake. He's now been cast instead. He's been recast as the older mentor figure from the video games, Sully. Only he's now not older. He's meant to be about 
15, 20 years older, and it's kind of hilarious because Mark Wahlberg is, I think, two and a half times Tom Holland's age, if I check that. I think Tom Holland's about 22, 23, and yeah, Mark Wahlberg's yeah, in his yeah. late 50s, something like that. But, yeah, uh, doesn't have the moustache either. They save that for a really disappointing post credit scene. But, um, so, whole gimmick is uh, Nate Drake's... Nate Drake is literally just some guy who works as a bartender. He grew up in an orphanage with his brother. His brother went missing some years earlier after he was kicked out of the orphanage. And now, years later, his brother, who's now estranged and missing, has a friend, played by Wahlberg, who turns up and says, I'm looking for this treasure that your brother was looking for. Um, help me find the treasure. You might find your brother. But I don't want to find my brother, Tom Holland says. And then goes along anyway. Yeah, that's, that's about the level of thought that goes into this. Do you think it's another puzzle? Or whatever it is, you better figure it out fast. I'm gonna try and buy us some time. Hey, can I get you a drink? Gin and tonic, but favor. It's definitely isn't a gin and tonic, but it is on the house. Gracias. Okay, whoa, 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 let me guess. Pina colada? Nothing yet, a comedian, the of sunshine. Okay, I got it, I got it. Sex on the beach. As you can hear from that clip, that is them trying to find a clue to this ancient temple in the back of a bar. Because that's the kind of movie this is. This is made for PlayStation gamers. So they're not going into this with the heaviest of intellectual heads. You know what I mean? Like the, the clue to the ancient temple, for instance, in that particular clip, is a literal massive keyhole behind a spring break bar. So it's, it's that level. You can hear from the soundtrack the kind of movie this is. The dialogue mm. is terrible. It's one garish, overlit, badly chroma-keyed set piece after another. Holland's good fun being Tom Holland, but the film isn't. Like, Wal Wahlberg is being Wahlberg in that I'm doing this for the money sort of Italian job remake way that he does. And Holland's just completely out of place. But, you know, if you're a fan of the games, you're going to love this. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's always a bit telling when the embargo is so strict on it and there's limited <laughs> screenings. Um, and, you know, if I'm thinking of a really good, like, video game style movie, I always think of Jumanji. I don't know, it's quite <laughs> slightly different, but the reboot of Jumanji, like, does it really well, you know? The, the concept of a video game in a in a movie scenario. Um, like, even, uh, even the Lara Croft movies, like the most recent one with Alicia Vikander, it was okay, it's mm. all right. They were kind of trying to go a little bit darker. I, I'm not going to push myself to go and watch this, I don't yeah. think. It's not really for me, but I'm not sure if, even if I was a real big gamer, if I would go and try and see this as well. But the whole thing pivots around the very, very heavily marketed uh, set piece of the crates falling out of the plane from the video games and the characters climbing over them. And you'll have seen it in the marketing for the movie as well. Like, the whole thing pivots around this. It's kind of like Deadpool's freeway sequence. And like, really, you've not got an awful lot more than that. Because the only other mm. big set piece in there, the, the, like, of that scale, is these two pirate ships being hung from helicopters and doing the pirate thing in midair. Which, again, if you've seen the trailer, you've kind of seen the hint of it. And you've seen most of it in the trailer. It's not a particularly dazzling or enchanting movie. It is quite... You, you would watch this and think it was stupid as all hell. Yeah. Um, I don't particularly think there's a franchise in it. I don't think it's a particularly well done film for what it is. And it's certainly, it's not even up to the standard of that Alicia Vikander uh, Tomb mm. Raider. I will say I would put this on par with something akin to maybe the Resident Evil movies in a pinch, but that'd be really pushing it. 
And now it's time for a segment we like to call Offscreen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Hey, Van. What's going on? Hey, nothing going on but the rent. You know how it is. Oh, I really do. And actually... When I'm thinking about paying the rent, sometimes I kind of look to everything that I'm doing and kind of go, where can I cut my costs? Where can I kind of make my life a little bit easier? And being someone that's like a content creator, the biggest thing that I end up forking out for is things like stock imagery, audio, all that kind of stuff that really I need to kind of streamline in my process. Wouldn't it be handy if we had a sponsor this week that fit that perfectly? <laughs> yes, it would. And actually, I'm really pleased to say, because I've been using these guys for a while now, um, that Storyblocks is a fantastic resource for any creators out there that are looking to kind of really push the limits of their creativity without having to worry about that really expensive budget. So they do so many great things. Obviously, I've mentioned again the big things for me are getting great video great photos fantastic audio sound effects bed music all that stuff mm. i'm now using this as part of my everyday content creation and, and that's also all, that's all on storyblocks all of that all on storyblocks oh, and now, the great okay. thing i know it's amazing and the great thing about this is that they've got subscriptions for every budget which just for me suits me perfectly they've got unlimited downloads they've got really great royalty free demand driven library so that means that you know they're optimizing and adding things like 4k hd footage you know after effects premiere pro Tem- Plates, so much more. And the biggest thing that I love about this is that they've got diverse and inclusive content. And I think you guys should definitely go and check it out because it really is one of those fantastic, fantastic um, opportunities. And the best thing to do is just go on to storyblocks.com forward slash off screen and go and give it a whirl yourself. Ooh, I'm looking forward to trying. That sounds very much up my I like that there's Premiere Pro templates because, mm. you know, trying to find new Premiere Pro. Is it the motion graphics templates, I think they're called? Or, or yeah, yeah, motion, yeah, yeah. Motion, can, yeah. Drives me mad trying to find them. And leading to our other sponsor this week, okay, causes me so much stress, no end, that I may need to unwind. That's where our sponsor this week comes into handy. Simply Earth. It's like a recipe box, but more fun and less edible. So the way this works is you pay $39 a month, you get effectively like a recipe box through to your house, but it's essential oils, and you learn all about the different ways to use essential oils. We've had one of these through to the house, and Miriam and the kids love these. Specifically, Moles. He's five. He thinks that lavender is the most relaxing thing in the world. Comes in every <laughs> night, lays down the bed, throws his hands behind his head, just crosses his fingers behind his head, lays back and says, I'd like some lavender, please. He finds nice. it relaxing. So you get I think it's four oils and six recipes. Come with recipe cards, like an actual recipe box. So uh, you, you get combinations of different oils and different elements that you can use. And you can make not just essential oil combinations, but you can make things like deodorants, um, uh, face masks, body washes, things like that. All sorts in there. I've had a look at the one. Genuinely, they sent us one of these to try. And Miriam's actually going to keep this going. We've been looking at what's in the, the February box. She's got that order to come as well. And this is like $100 worth of stuff if you put piece it all together yourself from other suppliers which is $39 a month for this very handy kit and the best part is you get a free 80 mil diffuser if you use our promo code and you give them a try and you go over to simplyearth.com slash off screen like I say lavender apparently lavender is relaxing and it's the way forward so check out simplyearth.com slash off screen
Welcome back to Off Screen. So we're moving you from the big screen to the small screen now. And we have your seven day guide to everything that is going to tickle your fancy when it comes to your film watching. We're kicking off with, oh, it's a weepy on BBC One, 11.25pm on, well, today. Uh, if you're starting off your weekend bawling your eyes out at a beautiful love story, it can't be any better than The Notebook, can it, Van? Well, it really can't. So The Notebook, this is, is this the first big Nicholas Sparks adaptation. I think this is the first big one, isn't it? I think there had been one or two other ones. We'd had night was Knights in Rodante around the same time, I think. Might have been years. I, I, I'm confused, obviously. But we, we obviously got a whole legion of them off the back of, of the notebook. You want to get things like Dear John and The Choice and things like that. Uh, but this is for my money, the original and best. Um, they've never been of able course. to stop this at all. And it's, of course, Ryan Gosling is uh, Rachel McAdams, uh, directed by uh, uh, Nick Cassavetes, son of John, uh, starring his mum, Jenna Rollins, as uh, the elder Emma, St uh, Emma Stone, uh, Rachel McAdams. And uh, is it James Garner as the elder... Mm. Uh, uh, Brian Gosling, and it is the story of Ali and Noah, I think are their names, yeah. aren't they? The star-crossed lovers from back in the day, and the uh, ill-fated tragedy that is their romance, as we are told in flashback. But as we're being told, we shall learn what, what will lead, what will become of their, of, their, uh, of their grand love affair. It was an improbable romance. He was a country boy. She was from the city. She had the world at her feet. Well, he didn't have two dimes to rub together. No, come on! Woo! Look at us! What are we doing? Do you think in another life I could have been a bird? What do you mean? Like reincarnation. I don't know. I think it would. I'm not even going to say anything more. Just watch it. Spend your Friday night watching it. <laughs> tell me tell me how many tissues you went through crying your eyes out on Saturday. That's all I need to say. I mean, it's Valentine's weekend this weekend. So I, it, it's surprising to me there aren't more in the way of, like, solid... Where, where's When Harry Met Sally this Valentine's, man? Where's Notting mm. Hill? I mean, I know it's arguably more Christmas themed but you could even make an excuse for love actually um, but yeah The Notebook is Friday the 11th tonight uh, start your Valentine's weekend off you know right um, if, it means worth noting there are three uh, I think there are three uh, Valentine's offerings in cinemas no no not in cinemas because I Want You Back is Amazon Prime actually uh, Marry Me and uh, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, the other two that are out this weekend. So this is not Valentine's offering, but on Freeview, The Notebook is where we're starting off. Uh, on Saturday night, though, and this marks our very first offering, by the way, Bex, of the newly returned BBC Three mm. to our television screens. So on BBC Three, the very first time we're recommending BBC Three for years, uh, 10 o'clock, Saturday yep. night, one of our favourite movies, I think, 2019 it is olivia wilde's directorial debut it's book smart backs yes it is it's um uh Be beanie felsted oh just this is the this is the kind of mean girls clueless new generation kind of movie that we all needed for for these last few years they are 
it, I can't even, actually, I can't even remember the story. So, oh no, I do. It's two girls, two best friends who are about mm. to embark on college and realise that they've spent the whole of their entire high school life being the goody two-shoes, the valedictorian style route that they've been going through. And actually everyone else has kind of let loose, gone wild and managed to achieve exactly the same thing. So what happens? Yeah. They go wild. Well, th- uh, also co-starring Caitlin Deaver in there as yes, well. Yes, that's who I it. Who I think is as every bit as brilliant as uh, Beanie Feldstein in this. Um, dropped the ball somewhat slightly by following it up uh, to an extent with uh, Dear Evan Hansen, which might be the worst mm-hmm. career decision anybody's ever made. And I say that of everybody who starred in Dear Evan Hansen. Um, but uh, an infinitely better offering can be found in our offering Booksmart. Saturday night, 10 p.m. on BBC Three, and see why we're so excited for Olivia Wilde's next movie, which is the one that's going to star Harry Styles, I think. Anyway, on to Sunday, February the 13th, an, an afternoon one. This is not so much one for the whole family, but it is a, a decent little uh, familial drama to watch. Uh, your uh, your Sunday chill sash. 4.30 on film four. It's Tim Burton's Big Eyes, the first Tim Burton movie I'd liked in about a decade, I think, at that point. This is I don't think you saw this one. Did you was the no, I haven't Christoph seen Waltz one. Yeah, isn't this about like she's like a great artist who did these quite uh, they, they're quite recognizable paintings of these characters with the big eyes. All with the big and eyes, yet, yeah. Wasn't it her husband that took credit for it? It is, yeah. The husband takes credit and basically masquerades as the face of these paintings, sort of steals the credit for himself. Uh, Waltz is brilliant in it, and he plays the sort of slimier side exactly as well as you would imagine. It is something very different for Tim Burton, and it's it's mm. very different in that way. It's probably more different than Ed Wood was back in the day, because Ed Wood, when it came out, still it still fit the Tim Burton aesthetic, though. You weren't that mm. surprised when you saw Ed Wood. You know, when someone said, "Yes, Tim Burton," but it was also it was Johnny Depp okay. as well. Yeah, well, yeah, and Johnny Depp. Yeah, fair enough. This one, you're like ah, Christoph Waltz, so kind of Tim Burton, but other than that, very, very different to your usual Tim Burton effort. Um, I think worth checking out, worth, worth watching. Mm. It's a good, if you've never seen the story, it's interesting to see it anyway. Um, yeah. However, the the Valentine's Day offering that we're going for this year, Bax. And I've I've picked our clip because you picked the film, I've picked the clip, and there's only mm. one. Well, there's only I think three clips you can pick from this movie i've gone for chronologically the final one of them 9 p.m film four monday february the 14th valentine's day the movie that arguably really made tom cruise the tom cruise we know and love today mm-hmm. without the couch jumping or any jumping really because he does a lot of that jumping running <laughs> it's almost like he's trying to hide something um jerry Maguire is on and here's the clip we've run with you know the one we live in a cynical world a cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You complete me. And I just had. Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. That is not the clip I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear, show me the money. Everyone uses show me the money. (laughs) Yeah, because there's a reason. Because that's because Cuba Gooding Jr. picked up the Oscar. He did, yeah. And yeah, 
So there we go. Jerry Maguire, what's not to love? That was a great I mean, Renee Zellweger there out, as well. Can we just point out, by the way, Cuba Gooding Jr. won an Oscar for this movie. First of all, he's better in the movie Lightning Jack from 1994, starring Paul Hogan and Beverly D'Angelo. And he would follow this up with some of the worst career decisions anybody has ever oh, yeah. made. The doubleheader that was Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor and the Robert De Niro diving movie Men of Honor. So... Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Whitney, which is on Tuesday night on four seven ten past eleven. This is also on on Friday night, but we wanted to we wanted to talk about the Notebook. So let's 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 do Whitney on on Tuesday night. So you, you seen this one? Yeah. The McDonald documentary. Yeah. So you'd be forgiven for thinking that it's an As If Capadia documentary. Yeah. It's it's you know that that sort of style. But this is charting the rise and sad fall of Whitney Houston. And done through incredible footage that is found piecing Great it together. To, yeah. yeah, amazing access. And, you know, when you watch this, I remember being in the screening for this and kind of going, oh my God, like the 80s, I want to dance with somebody all the way through. <laughs> you kind of, it is so amazing to see how effortless her voice was, how incredible her career was, and how sad, how frail she became, how difficult it was and it was interesting as well to see her relationship with i think it was her uh, an aid of hers no oh, well there's oh, her daughter but yeah. also the aid of hers who we think also was possibly in love with her as well oh. um no that's that's a whole other thing uh the the, the the story allegedly goes and this is the documentary that really fleshes that out the story allegedly goes it's been around in different places for a long long time hmm. that uh, that Whitney Houston was a gay woman and mm, that yeah, being yeah. America's sweetheart in the 1980s led to them to basically force her to live a closeted life and that her long-term partner was in fact her uh, her personal assistant. Her, yes, her, yeah. Her conscious, yeah. confident assistant. Which, in the way that it's explored here, allows us to actually contextualise that way in which she was seen as America's mm. sweetheart because we don't get that anymore. When we talk about Whitney Houston now, we only really get the punchline element or the tragedy element. We never get the, yes, but she was, everybody loved her. She was treated the way like we treat like Britney or Celine or any of the Titans now. That's, Whitney started that in the 80s. That, that's yeah. kind of how she started them all treating her. And that's yeah. partly part of the tragedy to this story in a sense. But yeah. uh, in terms of and, uh, how, it, how it fleshes out the story, I think an amazing job. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a great, great documentary. So definitely go check that out on Tuesday, 11, 10 p.m. on 4-7. Let's whistle stop through uh, to another Renee Zellweger movie. Uh, this one picked up her Oscar for, for her on this. This is Judy on 10.35 p.m. on BBC One. I would say this is a brilliant performance, but not mm. such a brilliant film. That's exactly. the kind of way I'd describe it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. That. So, it was one of those that you watched it and you thought she'll win like an acting award for that. But this film is getting nothing else. Yeah, and that's exactly what it did. So, uh, but very much worth a watch for for that Oscar-winning performance there. And then finally on Thursday night, you know, not not everyone's romantic movie, I would say, is on uh, is on ITV4 at 10 p.m. But it is Vans. It is, of course, the original. It's the Terminator. Excuse me, I'm just going to quote you one of the greatest lines of any love story ever, and it comes from this movie. In the one night we had together, we loved a lifetime's worth. 
I mean, come on, it's a great James Cameron. I oh, wrote the hell out of this. I, I literally, I mean, I'm recording this in the office for the very first time this week. If we were recording this in my usual spot, you would see. See, I have now got a framed copy, of a page of the script from the Terminator behind where I sit at my dining table, and it is, it is actually our clip. I'm going to tell you, this is one of my. I think this is genuinely one of the best, the finest works of cinema ever constructed by man. Uh, it was all cobbled together from a fever dream created by food poisoning. I think during the editing of Piranha 2 The Spawning or Piranha 2 Flying Killers by its uh, then uh, first time director James Cameron and he gave us a franchise of two great movies and then other people gave us a franchise of some absolute dumpster fires but here's the first not necessarily the best but definitely the trendsetter just let me go listen and understand that Terminator is out there it can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. Can you stop it? I don't know. With these weapons, I don't know. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we took you on a wild ride of the big screen and small screen, and now it is everything in between. So this is your offerings on streaming, DVD, and Blu-ray. And we are kicking off with, well, something that we did talk about uh, earlier in the show. It is obviously showing on Amazon Prime, so we just want to give it a bit of note. I Want You Back, that Charlie Day movie. If you want a nice, easygoing, fun rom-com to watch, then that is going to be the movie for you. But I'm more interested in hearing about The Kill Team, which is available on Netflix van. Yeah, I didn't even know this one was coming. I was kind of flabbergasted when I heard about this because it's an A24 military drama and it's going to be mm. on Netflix on Sunday. This stars um, Alexander, either Skarsgård or Sarsgård. I can never tell. what. There's, there's the Peter there's the Peter Sarsgård gang who are like married into the Halls, and then there's the Stellan Alexander Skarsgårds, I think. One Skarsgård, one Sarsgård. I can never tell them apart. Anyway, the Kill Team stars um, Nat Wolf as a young sort of newly recruited soldier who um, finds himself in a moral quandary, you know, at the behest of this apparently psychotic superior officer played by Alexander Skarsgård who is tearing up that trailer at the moment for Robert Eggers' uh, Is It the Northman? The Viking mm. movie that's coming? That looks awesome. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing The Kill Team. I say it's out Sunday. Hadn't heard anything about it. Looks quite interesting. I look forward to seeing how it turns out. But over on okay. Monday, something we have seen and we, we reviewed this on Theatrical a few months ago. It's coming to DVD uh, this coming Monday. I think it's the only big thing on DVD. It's the most recent Clint Eastwood movie. It's Clint versus the Cartel in the 1970s, Bex. It's Cry Macho. Do you remember this one? We, we both saw this one, I think. Yeah, we did. And he kind of plays this like aging ranch owner who mm. uh, 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 comes across a woman and her son who are being chased by the cartel. He kind of inadvertently something happens. He ends up having to take this son. And it's kind of a road trip movie whilst he goes away and tries to save him from the cartel. You know what the thing is, is that I think when, when Clint Eastwood does a bit of magic, right? Like Million Dollar Baby, for example, yeah. you know that that's a movie that hits. And when it's mediocre, it really is mediocre. And this mm. for me just dragged, was like beautifully shot, but just didn't give me anything really that, that, that sits in my mind, to be honest. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm with you on that, to be honest. And absolutely with Eastwood, when he's good, he's good. When, when he's good, he's great. When he's bad, he's horrible, kind of thing. And you look at films like, what was the uh, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons one? Jersey Boys. Jersey like, Boys. Why is this not the best musical ever made? Like, mm. how how is this not? Like, how is this not incredible? And yeah, it's, it's a strange one, um, on to Tuesday, one that's coming to Amazon Prime on Tuesday. I know you must have seen this because we, we we were kind of catnip for this in our teenage years. Oh, yeah. It is uh, one of the biggest movies of late 1999, early 2000s, and winner of, in my mind, the best single of, uh, of, of 2000. I think it lost uh, record of the year to uh, Flying Without Wings by Westlife, famously enough. Outrageous. The theme song to this was Pure Shores by All Saints. It's Danny Boyle's The Beach going to Prime on Tuesday. How much do you love The Beach, Brex? Yeah, and you know what? The Alex Garland book that came before, you know, this is the thing. Everyone would go on holiday to Thailand and they'd read the book and then they'd go to the island where the beach was filmed and hope that they could kind of recreate it. It's, it's, it's kind of a rite of passage, isn't it, for anyone that was like a teen or uh, like late teens in, your, uh, in the late 90s. And, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio stars in it it's kind of like um, uh, the Lord of the Flies in a way sort of feel to it yeah and um, it's it's a great movie I I dare watch it again I'm really worried that it's aged and that's what I that's what I don't want I don't think I don't think necessarily it will. Aside uh, from the technology element, which is nowadays they would simply be Snapchatting that beach every chance they got. Um, it, it, the yeah. whole thing would have been chronicle on TikTok, you know, if it was if it was a Gen Z version of the beach. But uh, I, I think to be honest, I've not seen it in a long time. I would be very interested to go back and see it because I remember being really impressed by how surreal and existential existentialist it mm. was um, mm-hmm. and also I remember this being the very first movie I remember seeing Tilda Swinton in Once Upon a Time mm. this was uh, 23 entire years ago now um, one that was only 14 years ago 14 am I, no no more than that it was uh, this was now this was now 16 or 17 years ago is the original Borat which uh, oh, which is coming out on Wednesday I think that one's on Amazon Prime on, uh, on Wednesday as well um, who doesn't love Borat I mean, was it cultural uh, learnings will make benefit glorious nation of Kazakhstan? The first one, infinitely better than the second one, I think. Yeah. But uh, it was this was just like nothing else when it came out. Yeah, it was. And I think kind of in that vein, that's mm. why it's so great, is that it was so not like anything else. Is it something that I could sit down and watch again and, and enjoy? <laughs> Probably not. Like, I watched the more updated version mm. of the movie you know, in the last couple of years and was a bit like, it's it's almost like schlock jock kind of horror, like, you know, it's, it's there to make an impact. Is it great? I'm not so sure. I actually, I revisited it with the sequel. When we, when we did uh-huh. the sequel together last year, I actually revisited the first one beforehand because I hadn't seen it since theatrical. Really. I think I might have seen it on Channel 4 or something a few years later. It did hold up quite well. Because the character of Borat is so removed from the contemporary age anyway, he doesn't date, so to right. speak. In, in, you, can, you can keep doing Borat forever because of the way the character is portrayed as being quite out of step and quite archetypical, quite an anachronistic. Uh, yeah. So it, it worked. It does hold up quite well. And to be honest, the Pamela Anderson stuff's aged pretty well as well. Um, <laughs> that anybody would that anybody would be that in love with Pamela Anderson as to do all the stuff that Barat does is the only thing that's really aged. 
in that movie. And to be honest, the the recent release of Pam and Tommy has kind of put paid to that anyway. Um, I watched the fourth episode today, by the way. I love that show so much. How well can I love it? It is so good. Um, I love it so much. A final one of the week. That's coming to Disney Plus on Wednesday, the 16th. Um, Most recent film from Wes Anderson. This has been quietly rushed out. Um, The French Dispatch. We've got a clip for this one. French Dispatch coming to Disney Plus on Wednesday. Did you get to see this one in the end? I did. I did. And I I enjoyed it. It wasn't my favourite film. Wes Anderson no, movie, Wes but it's it's no. quite it is quite high up there. Like you know, I love my, my t- favorite is the Grand Budapest Hotel. It's taken me years to warm up to uh, Wes Anderson and and his style of movie making. I appreciate the sets, I appreciate it all. It's just whether or not that style of comedy keeps your attention. And for me, for a while, it didn't. But I, you know, like Moonrise Kingdom didn't really yeah. do it for me. But yet, I love oh, the Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel. Mm. Yeah, and this kind of was like that sort of middle ground for me. Um, I liked all the stories. I thought the weakest story in it was Timothy Chalamet's story. Yes. But, yeah, but other than that, I thought it was it was all right. Yeah, it was good. It's definitely a visual spectacle. So I would encourage you, even mm. though it is coming to Disney+, Plus, if you've got a big screen, you should watch it on a big screen at home because it, it deserves that. Let's have a listen. <laughs> I'm naked, Mrs. Cremens. I can see that. Why are you crying? Tear gas. Also... I suppose I'm sad. Please turn away. I feel shy about my new muscles. Go tell your parents you're home. They're worried. I'm expected back on the barricades. I didn't see any barricades. Well, we're still constructing them. Uh-huh. What are you writing? Our manifesto. I told them not to invite Paul, by the way. Maybe you're sad, but you don't seem lonely to me. Exactly. I saw you at the protest on top of a bookcase taking notes. Is there a story in us? For the people of Kansas? Maybe. Then you should study our resolutions. Or anyway, will you proofread it? My parents think you're a good writer. So the French dispatch there, Chalamet, and is it Francis McDormand he does this? Mm, yeah. So, I mean, I will say that I, this, there's loads of little things throughout the film that, that really make it worthwhile. It's make it, they're quite like will make it quite worthwhile. They don't add up to anything, but they are little individually great things, like, for instance, Jeffrey Wright as, uh, as, as the author, because he's a sort of fictionalised take. And yeah, but just a really great, uh, a really great series of, of things in there. I love the first story with uh, Benicio Toro, for instance, Adrian mm, Brody. That means, yeah. yeah, that's the high point for me, is that first story. Uh, and Jeffrey Wright. But uh, to say, whether you love it or hate it, there is a lot in French Dispatch. So there's going to be a lot of things that you like, even if there's a lot that you hate. So it's worth checking out anywhere. I'd say don't go in expecting, as you say, though, Grand Budapest. Like, at mm. all. Because you're not going to get You're going to get some of the tricks that made Grand Budapest so good, but you're not going to get all of it. And you're going to get a lot that does yeah. not work. But I think this is a fine crop for another week. We've got a very quiet week next week, so I don't know how we're going to cobble together things to cover next week, but I can tell you that the two big hitters for next week, <laughs> we're going old school with this one, Bex. So, okay. first up, we've got a new documentary, The Real Charlie Chaplin, which I have seen. It is narrated Ooh, I'm by excited. And it is, as I said on the tin, it is a profile of what Charlie Chaplin was really like. Our other movie, and there is something about this that sounds so 2007, is Channing Tatum is a man with a dog in the movie Dog. I mean, oh, in a God. year in which in a year in which we had cow and pig, why not have oh and lamb? Why not have dog? 
Let's let's do dog thing. We'll add that to the set next week. This Matalan box set is just increasingly filling itself. <laughs> at this stage. You know those those crap box sets you get by the counter yeah. in, in every branch of Matalan. There's going to be one that's just animal names, and the best movie in it will be Nicholas Cage's Pig. Which, incidentally, because we haven't talked about them, I'm just going to say was robbed. It was robbed of every bloody Oscar going. Pig should have been up for every Oscar going, including Best Actor, and I will die on this hill. I'm not one of those guys who just, just because I like the movie, it needs to be up for Oscars. No. I'm sorry. That movie, dis- and I'm sorry, but the last film I went to bat for was Knives Out. Netflix dropped half a billion on those two sequels, so I know I was right. But, yeah, it'll be the conversation for another time. Next week, we get to talk about Channing Tatum and a dog. What, what's not to love in that? What's not to love? So I look forward to uh, to discussing that with you. I'm actually really looking forward to that Charlie Chaplin documentary. I'm a huge, huge fan and intrigued as to intrigued as to see how that plays you know out. What, uh, mm. What really shocked me about it, actually, because I mean, we'll talk in more detail about it next week. Is I always forget that outside of the actual tramp makeup, is he called the call the tramp? Isn't he the character outside he was of the tramp makeup? He's a very suave looking guy. He was a good looking dude. It was a really yeah. good-looking man. Like, if that man, just, just looking like he did, walk down the street in 2022, he'd get some action. That's a good-looking man right there. <laughs> and what a way to finish the show. Uh, there we go. So until next John time, we'll Chaplin hold you with... <laughs> yeah, we'll hold you, hold you with that thought until next week. But for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>